Thank you, Gail. You did real well. Talk Recorded live. That's okay. <clears throat> First John. <clears throat> We're talking about life. You can only be as close to God as you are to the written word of the apostles. And so if you don't agree with that, you can get up and leave. Oh, nobody's leaving. Hmm. But let me state it again. Maybe the second time it'll come through. And that is that you can only be as close to God as you are to the written word of the apostles. Now, let me read the text. And we've been through this before, so this is nothing new. This is just a little review, Greg, because you weren't here last week. I can't let you slip by here. Look at verse verse 3 of 1 John chapter 1. Now the theme here is life. He's talking in verse 2, the life was made known. We have seen as the apostles we have seen, we proclaim to you, the audience, eternal life. And that idea there of eternity isn't the idea of duration. It's more the idea of quality of life that you have now and forevermore. It's the quality that's built into that word. And it was with the Father and was manifested, made known to us what we have seen, verse 3 now, what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you, the audience also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. He's talking about life and that there's no life apart from fellowship. And to begin with, there's no, no fellowship apart from beginning with the apostles. That you may have fellowship with us, and then indeed our fellowship is with the Father. And because if you want to have life, you have to be in fellowship with the apostles because their fellowship is with whom? What does it say? With the Father and with the Son. So the way in which you have fellowship with the Father and the Son, to be in fellowship with the apostles. Now there's no magic. It isn't something you go down or outside and you climb a hill until you get some kind of an uh, ecstatic response. It's not that kind of a thing at all. You have to be associated with the Word, with the Word, with what they have written. These things we write in verse 4, these things we write, we have written so that you may be in fellowship with us. And when you're in fellowship with us, you then and only then can you be in fellowship with the Father and the Son. You can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John until you turn pink in the face 
But until you read from the apostles about who Jesus was and about what he means and how we become a part of him, there's no life. No life. And the theme of First John is life. Not just life now, but when we die, we go into life with God, but we have to be in fellowship. Fellowship is what constitutes life. It means to have, when we are in fellowship with the apostles and through what they have written, we are in fellowship with them as they are in fellowship with the Father and the Son, and in them is life. So fellowship means being in life, having what is in common with God and the Son. I am the truth, the life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When we are in fellowship with them through the apostles, then we have life. Fellowship is life. Fellowship with God means life. So what about all of these folks out here who are not in fellowship with God through the apostles, through what they have written? See, it's reversing all of that. When we are close to what they have written and we abide in what they have written, we are in fellowship with the authors of that writing and they are in fellowship with the Son and the, and the Father. And folks, what about all of those who don't have fellowship with God through the apostolic writings. What happens to them? Well, you don't need to answer that, please. I know you're all anxious to do that. But we don't need to make that judgment. It's just that we want you folks to know that there's life, and it's not a mystical, hopeful, wishful type thing. It's as you embrace the word and you listen to it with the intent of adhering to it, that you come into fellowship with the authors of that writing, and when you're in fellowship with them, then you're in fellowship with the Father and the Son, and in them is life. Now let's go to um, John chapter 17. <clears throat> to cap this off. That's where we've been so far, talking about life. So Jesus in John 17 is, is talking about, or John is recording Jesus' prayer that he is making, not toward you, not toward me, but toward his apostles. For their sake, verse 19, for their sakes I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. That puts you out of whack with most of our denominations right there. But we have to keep going. That's self-evident. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, not just on, and not just in behalf of the apostles, because that's who he's talking to. That's his audience. That's his only audience. I do not ask, Father, on behalf of these alone, but also for those who believe in me through what process? Through their word. 
if you have come to a belief in who Jesus is through some other way, you need to question the conclusion of your belief. It's not real. It could be. But you have no confirmation of it. It's when through their writings, these things I have written, John says in chapter 20, verse 31, these things I have written so that you may believe. As an apostle, he is writing the things to give you a basis for believing in who Jesus is. And that he here in this context, in John chapter 17, verse uh, 20, for those who believe in me through their word. That's the right process. We teach our children, believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Folks, that's a conclusion. There's no, ba- there's no premise for them to do that. You have to give them the reasons why. Those reasons, those premises come from the Gospels. Those premises come from the Gospels written by the apostles, and then when we believe in him through their word, then God's or Jesus' prayer becomes effective. And notice, notice the conclusion of verse 21. So that, in conclusion, that they may all be one. You see, the reason I'm spending so much time in 1 John is because the reason that Christendom is divided is because it doesn't pay attention to John chapter, 1 John chapter 1. That's why we have this church and this church and that church and some other churches, is because they're all in violation of what 1 John chapter 1 says. That they may all be one. They come to Jesus the right way through the apostolic teaching. They, have, they are adhering to apostolic teaching once they are in Christ. They come to him and into him the right way. That they may all be one. That's God's ideal. God wants no division. Even as you, in the same way as, as you, Father, are in me and I in you. We are to be the same as the Father and the Son are the same. That's perfect. That's perfect oneness. So that they also may be in us. So that the world may believe that you sent me. So the Hindus and the Buddhists and the Muslims can all believe that Jesus has come from God is when they see a united Christendom. And as long as we are a divided people, we are the reason why the world has not come to accept Jesus as the Messiah. They will never come to him as the, as the chosen one of God until the church gets its act together. Anybody want to argue that? You know, the, and it's so simple. We just have to come back to what it says, which is so clear, folks. Let's go back to First John. <clears throat> I got to finish this chapter today, no matter what. Did y'all bring lunch? 
So in verse 3, we have the foundation for what's going on that he's talking about life in verses 1 and 2. Verse 3 of 1 John chapter 1, that we, what we have seen, that is, they were, they were eyewitnesses and heard, they, were, they heard, they heard directly, all the way from the baptism of John, all the way to the ascension, they were there. We proclaim to you that which we have seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. You won't hear people who understand that verse ever say, well, all we need is Jesus. You'll never hear folks like that. Never hear statements like that coming out of folks who have read this verse and believe it. There is no way to him apart from the apostolic message. So that you may have fellowship with us Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write, we have written, we have given you the evidence that you can come and become believers and become obedient to God's message because of what we have written. And in doing so, you are in fellowship with us. And being in fellowship with us, you are in fellowship with the Father and the Son. And being in fellowship with them means that you have that one thing in common, and that's life. No life apart from fellowship. Fellowship is not having a potluck dinner together. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong. Did I say that? Did I say they were wrong? Oh, no. I'm looking forward to November. It'll be my last one. <laughs> Maybe. Um, theoretically. No, we, we, like, we, we, we like that kind of... But you see, that is not what constitutes fellowship. Fellowship for Christians is the fellowship with life. And if you're not in fellowship with life, you have no life. And you would think that people would want life. Not just now, but how many of you all are going to die? Yeah? You all got your hands going up. You all going to die. I'm going to die. Dave's going to die. He's been close before, but he's going to die for real one of these days. And if you see me after I'm dead, you've got a problem. But we want life because life has value. Life has meaning. That's why we're here is because of life. Our message is not negative. It is positive. It's dynamic. It is the message of life. If there were no hell, we would want life. Maybe you wouldn't. And I can't help you if that's the case. But most people eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Why? Because they want life. They want to preserve life. We take, care of, we take care of ourselves. If we have a headache, we want life, and so we take whatever you do for a headache. I've never had one. I give them, but I don't have any. I do what I can to give you all one every Sunday. And that's why I sell aspirin. Whatever you take. You know, we take something because we want life, and we, 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 we want to be productive in life. Greg goes fishing, and he catches those little fish, you know, 
just about bait size, not even good bait really where I came from. How, how, have you done any fishing this year? You can be forgiven. Is it to be forgiven or to go fishing? Yes. Both, yes. Well, you know, but we, we do things like that because of recreation. Recreation. We want life. We want to enjoy life. And so we've got to realize then that God has made a provision for us to enjoy life. And to enjoy life, we have to be in fellowship with that which constitutes life. Life is not in creation. Life is not in the world. Life is not sitting on a pew. Life is so being adhering to the word that we are in fellowship with it and with it, through it, God and the Father and the Son. Well, that's what he says. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you that you may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Folks, if you forget, if you remember that, I'm happy. And that they're talking about that this life in verses 2, he's talking about life, 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 and how we have life and the assurance of life. We don't have to fear death because we have the assurance of life. We have the assurance of life because we are in fellowship with the source of life. And that's the writings of the apostles, first of all, and through them, the Father and the Son. Now, going on in this book, verse 5, this is the message. We have heard from him and announced to you that God is light. God is light. We're going to have more to say on that. And in him there is no darkness at all. God is light. And so when you're in him through the apostolic teachings, you are in light. That's the full awareness of the reason, the purpose, and the direction of life. Everything is there. There's no darkness. No, nothing is hidden. And then he begins in verse 6 where we really want to focus quickly today. Where he gives to us a series of ifs, the big ifs. And what, he, what he's doing here, now the we and the you's are made conditional. We know that the we's are referring to the apostles in verses 1 through, one through 5. And the you is deferring to his audience, to whom he's writing, whoever they may be. That isn't important, but we can plug into that. But now the we and the you are made conditional by the usage of the word if. And now the we includes all who fit the condition under the if. You see, that's the change of the usage of the personal pronouns. Look at verse, look at verse um, uh, 6 now. 
If we say, if we say, so anyone who says what he's going to say is a part of that we. He has included anybody now in by the use of that word if. If we say that we have fellowship, and of course his theme is as to have life with him. If we say that we have fellowship, so as to have life, that's what he's talking about, with him, he's the only source of, only source of life. And then, on the other hand, you walk in darkness, you live your life as if you already know it all, or as you don't need to know anything else, You already have what you need to know. don't need to learn anything new in life. That's walking in darkness. Notice what he says, the negative side. If we say that we have fellowship with him, we lie. And our words do not match our actions. Folks, that's the classic way of becoming a liar. That is how to be a true blooded liar. If we say that we have fellowship with him and then walk in ignorance, we lie. So Christians ought to be informed people. They should be in the process of becoming a better informed people. They should be in the process of becoming a more accurately informed people. And do not the truth. You see, the truth is something that can be practiced. That's why that word do is put in there. It really means, and do not practice the truth. The truth is something that can be done. It's not just talk, but it's those who put into practice doing the right thing because they have learned that it's the right thing through the apostolic teaching and with them the fellowship with life. One more. And then I guess we'll have to quit. We're not quite up to where we were. Does that figure? But you see, if I can get my point made here about this process, it just separates you from everybody else in town. That I know. Look at verse 7. On the other hand, he says, now, you see, in verse 6, if we say one thing, and that's easy, isn't it? Talk is cheap. But if we say one thing, but our life says something else, then we're liars. That's how to become a first-class liar. And if you're going to be a liar, be first-class. That I can honor. But on the other hand, if we walk, now it's not what you say, if we walk in the light. Now here is the positive dynamic. On the other hand, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light. Now, there is the standard 
in the same way that he is in the light, in the same way that he lives in light. Let's go back to Psalms 119. Psalms 119. We were in Psalms 119 before today, and some of you have memorized this whole chapter. It's the center of the Bible, by the way. Not that that's not important here, but Psalms 119, and look at verse 105. Your word, O God, your word is a lamp to my feet. Isn't that what we're seeing here? These things I've written so that you may know. These things I have written so that you may be in fellowship. These things I have written so that you can be in fellowship with life and life is in knowing what we have said, what we have written. That's why we have bothered writing it so that you can know your word is a lamp to my feet. If we are in the light as he is in the light. And it goes on to say, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's the word. The Word is the light of God. When we walk in the Word, we are walking in God's light. If we walk in the light in the same way as He is in the light, you see, it is something we can know. It's not an impossibility. But when you're walking in that light as He is in the light, you never go outside the boundaries of that light. Now, the positive side in conclusion of that verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, now we have fellowship. Now he has moved the fellowship of you and I being in fellowship with the apostles and through their writing with the Father and the Son. But now we're talking about how we have fellowship with one another. He says, then you have fellowship fellowship with one another not unity but fellowship you have the source the same source of life you're together in the word together in the word when you are walking in the light as he is in the light then you have fellowship with one another why because you're together in the word you've come to know it you adhere to it you embrace it You obey it, living according to it. It is the lamp to your life. It's how you live your life. Now we have fellowship with one another. And notice then the second thing that he says, not only do you have fellowship with one another, but then the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. See, the cleansing from sin is reliant upon you walking in the light. That's key to the purpose of Christ. I'll read one verse and we'll close. Hebrews 9. I've got more to say on that. i got to somehow be done with this before November, don't I? Okay. Hebrews chapter 9. 
The blood of Christ cleanses us. How many of you have ever heard Joel Osteen, who is a clever speaker, how many of you have ever heard him speak about how you come in contact with the blood of Christ? Why would he ever say anything because he doesn't believe it? Now, I like this. He's a great motivational speaker, but don't ever call him a gospel preacher. He hasn't got a clue. He has never told one person in his entire life what to do to be saved. Not one person. He doesn't believe in the blood atonement. So why would he ever speak about the blood atonement? Why, why would he ever... How many of you ever heard of, of Joyce Meyer? The, famous, the world's most famous woman preacher right now. Great motivational speaker. But she doesn't believe in the blood atonement either. People listen to her and they just drool. I mean, they got drool coming down the corners of their mouth. Just marvelous. Just drool. Just get shakes and vibrations thrilled over her nonsense. Motivationally, it's great. But don't call her a gospel preacher, and that's where we go part ways, is because she does not believe in the blood atonement. That's why she's so famous. That's why Joe Austin is so blood, so so famous, is because neither of the two most powerful speakers of our time, neither of them believe in the blood atonement and that you can only be have your sins cleansed by the blood of Christ. Why would you want to waste your time? Now, we're not saying they say a lot of bad things. Motivationally, they're powerful speakers. But that doesn't save a soul. That doesn't save you from your sins. That does not bring you into Christ in any way. It's a shame. It's a tragedy that people think by listening to a motivational message that somehow their sins are forgiven. They're perpetuated. That's all. Well, here it says that one thing that cleanses us from all sin is the blood of Christ. Folks, we can never forget that, and we've got to close with that. Make sure that you do what it takes to come under the blood and that you, per- and that you perpetuate the blood covenant by the Lord's Supper the covenant that is reestablished on the Lord's day around the Lord's table. Make sure that you understand that everything that is taught has to be contingent on the blood of Christ as the only provision for being cleansed from sin and having your spirit renewed in the sight of God. Let's stand as we sing.